0: Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Forum, and I have Tholema Dietler with me today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Good. And on the line, we have Patrick Kraft of Cargis Art Gallery in Carmel, California. Beautiful art gallery. How are you doing, Patrick?
0: I'm doing
2: well. Good morning, Martin and Tholema.
0: Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I always uh, love going to your art gallery down there and uh, you and I have uh, done business for years, and can you tell us a little bit about the founding of
3: Cargis?
2: I'd be happy to, Martin. Um, well, it goes back to approximately 1985 when um, uh, Bill Cargis, who's, who's the owner of our gallery, his, his wife gave him a, a book by um, Ruth Westfall, the Plein Air Painters of California, of the Southland. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was his, his next door neighbor. And
3: uh-huh.
2: um, over a glass of wine, he's showing me uh, all these incredible paintings—these uh, landscapes of California uh, from you know from way back in the twenties and thirties, before, for the most part, before development. And he was so impressed by the paintings, he decided to uh, start collecting. And. By, um, the spring of 1987, he then decided to open a gallery and hired me as his as his manager of the Carmel Gallery, and that was in uh, March uh, of uh, 1987.
3: Hmm. Now
1: I know Eden Hughes wrote the book on California paintings, and it's kind of like a joint effort between what you did as far as creating awareness of California paintings and what he did as well. Did you ever work together on anything?
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, we knew we, we knew and, and know Eden Hughes, um, but the main thing is we we used his um, his, his wonderful book of, of artists in California, and uh, at the time there were no other there were I don't think there were any other resources, and it, it was phenomenal what Eden did by compiling compiling all this information, hmm. and and actually with with I can tell you with each sale of a painting. Um, or each presentation, we always referred to his book for each of these artists. And, hmm. and plus, regularly, we'd be offered paintings by artists we'd never heard of, and we'd look them up in Eden's book, and he'd have all this invaluable information.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Patrick, how did you get started in fine art?
2: Um, the um, Really, the beginning is I, I I was very interested in the arts and um, because my family was very involved. My, my father was with the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra, Orchestra for 30 years. He was their um, head percussionist and for a number of years um, uh, assistant conductor. And we'd have mm-hmm. very interesting people over to our house. I bet mean, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine. We'd Zubin, Zubin made it the conductor would be over for a for a pool party. You know, we'd be having hamburgers. dinner parties too. So we met these very interesting people in... You know, casual circumstances, and, and many of my dad's friends were artists, mm-hmm. so I always liked artistic people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, even after I f- after I finished my six years of college and, and my masters in business, I was very interested in um, obviously finding a job that would that would pay the bills, but <laughs> something interesting. And for for three years, I did product marketing with with a um, with a German company. They had an office here, and. Although it was interesting to travel and so on it it was very dry and uninteresting, mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. wanted to somehow combine the arts with business and it's t- to be honest it's 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 very difficult um, anyone looking for work in in the fine arts will will find it that there's it's like a needle in a haystack you're mm-hmm. very fortunate to find anything so that's right so yeah. that's, but that's how this came about. I've always found that people involved in the arts are, are more interesting people more, more <laughs> gregarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you really find that people who collect paintings have, have unique lives. They, they, they travel a lot. They mm-hmm. love good, good wine. They love good food <laughs> and, and conversation. And great music. And yeah. great music, right. <laughs> and, and they have a real appreciation for beauty. That's mm-hmm. right.
1: That's right. I remember reading somewhere where it was saying the reason people collected landscapes was because they could sit in their home in the winter and look at the dreamy summers, <laughs> and look ahead to them. I kind of believe that. Oh, me
2: too. Yeah. In fact, we have uh, we have a client from Chicago right now. They're they're from California, but but um, they they have a beautiful uh, uh, William Ritchell seascape in their home in Chicago, just so they can, <laughs> right, dream about being in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I have I have a winter landscape at. At my own home, uh, impressionist, and uh, it always reminds me of why I'm in California. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right.
1: Yeah. Um, another uh, question I have for you is: uh, a lot of times when I'm looking at a painting, uh, I'll look. Uh, maybe it's listed in Eden Hughes, but there's no auction records yet. I'm looking at the painting, and say, "Wow, you know, that's a beautiful painting." And okay, so there's no auction records, but I have to. I always seem to be interested in buying it anyway. How closely does the art world in galleries follow what follow what happens at auction
2: uh, very closely
1: mm-hmm.
2: very closely because it's it, it's a it's it's really a, a a barometer for for the value of 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 this or that artist or this particular style of painting or this particular um, um, a time period when the painting was done. but people do follow very closely yet you know for for us, what we will do for, as an example and what I, th- what I think most galleries will do is, like uh, with Edgar Payne, for example, he may, he may have three beautiful Sierra scenes that sell at auction, and one will go for an, an extraordinarily high price, one will go for a very low price, hmm. and then one, one will go for what we consider a, a, a rational price. But <laughs> we, we will we, we won't just look at the highest price, but we will take it into consideration but we try we try to come up with a mean price for what what uh, a particular artist is bringing is bringing at auction, and then and then we look at the economy along with it. If the economy is strong, or if the economy is weak, then we will adjust the price, you know, accordingly.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of the economy, I know the economic downturn has been tough on paintings for the most part. How are things going these days?
2: Uh, so things are much better. Than they were over the last two years. Mm -hmm. You know, in January of 2008, we had a a very good show at the. You know, we do the Los Angeles art show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, the the Cargis Fine Art is the the founding uh, member of the Fine Art Dealer Association. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We we founded, I believe, I forget exactly when, but about 12 or 12 or 15 years ago. But that was that was the high point of of the. of the bubble, if you if you will, in January of two thousand and eight, and after that, it, it was like someone turned just about turned the lights out. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and
3: our
2: and and our clients were very nervous
3: mm-hmm.
2: and unsure uh, of what to do in 2000 and, uh, 2008. It was a very it was a difficult year. Right. And we would have you know, we'd go several weeks without anything selling, and the, the phone that wasn't hurts. ringing, and mm. and then the, the next year was. Less anxious, but much more, but still very cautious,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and primarily because prices were falling. Mm-hmm. You know, fr- prices of er- everything were falling, right? right? Whether real estate or houses. Right. Yeah, uh, um, guy rose paintings that were once a million dollars were suddenly, you know, you know maybe five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Wow. Four hundred and.
3: Mm. Yeah,
2: you know, people were just more careful, and mm-hmm. why, why buy something now if it's going to be. Twenty percent less in six months was was kind of the rationale, mm-hmm. but but over the last I'd say over the last three or four months, um, the market has really settled down and it, it seems to be improving, uh, remarkably. And the last the last I'd say the last two months in particular were very good. Oh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Great. I, I wanted to tell you I was um, I was actually in Carmel Valley um, about two or three years ago, and someone was interviewing me about the Antique and art world, and it was someone that was not involved at all. And she said to me, um, "So, how does one establish prices on art?" And and by the time we got done talking, she looked at me and she said, "This is all perceived value, isn't it? There's no, there's no real value. It's all what people consider something worth. And you know that's basically what all antiques and art really are. Of course, you do, as we just talked about, have um, auction records to go by.
2: C- correct. Well, you know, I, I often thought that you have to you have to build a case too. Uh huh.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: often, t- and but but we we like to work from a very we like to be very reasonable and very very clear and 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 also make sure that there are you know certainly comparables in mm-hmm. terms of um, maybe a specific artist and a specific type of painting, but also in terms of um, just a relative quality and what what i have found over the years uh, martin is that you know there's a lot of smart people out there Mm -hmm. and and who've done well in life they've saved worked hard saved their money they've 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 fantastic professions and careers and and when before they jump in to just start buying willy-nilly any particular painting just because of the size or the color or or the name most of our clients are, are very well versed in what what they're collecting. And they will review, um, well first of all they'll do comparison shopping, but they'll also watch the auctions and and they'll also read up on the particular artist to see if indeed they are important. So we you know you can do I mean on on occasion I suppose if you're a really very clever salesperson you can get a very high price for something Um, maybe well above what it's worth but but I would say 95 percent of the time, everything has to make sense, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: and most of our clients, like I like I said, they do their research, and and they have a they have a good idea of of what the fair market value is,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then to the, and the dealers themselves, you know, since we look at paintings all day, every day, I mean, thousands and thousands of paintings, we come up with a very good idea uh, of what the paintings are worth, and and then you, you tie that in with with the economy if the economy is very good and especially by the way real estate when everyone's homes are going up dramatically every year then people are a little freer with their money right so maybe you can maybe you can you know go for another 10 percent you know mm-hmm. but most people are are very um are very savvy and and from our perspective we like to keep prices um, really uh as we say in the fairway in a, in a fair range because we like to do a lot of repeat business with our clients
1: speaking of that do you have a trade-up
2: policy um we have shall we say a, a loose trade-up policy we we we, we regularly uh, do take paintings uh, and trade towards uh, other paintings of, of higher value mm-hmm. it, it just it just depends on the situation and the painting itself. Sure.
0: Can you tell us what kind of people are buying California art, and uh, do you sell to young people as well?
2: Uh, we we do sell to young people, but I would say the, you know the, um, the typical collector would be someone between the age ages of. Well, I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to mention any ages, but but because we have clients of all different ages collecting paintings. Um, we even, you know, we even had a teenage um, girl buy buy a small painting as a gift for her parents. But, but generally, I would say it's someone who is at the peak of their career, and as a professional, doctors, lawyers, business people, um, people in, also in Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and and it seems that like a general general rule of thumb is most of our clients. Um, have children in college or just finishing college. Speaking so was, of
0: celebrities, uh, has any special celebrity stopped by?
2: You know, and that's more so in Los Angeles, and and um, mm. but most most of the celebrities who come in are very uh, they're very private about about, about mm-hmm. who they are, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and <laughs> so we have so we have sort of a um, sort of an un, 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 unstated agreement that we we keep things kind of low key. Now now in in Carmel. Um, yeah, everyone wants to know about Clint Eastwood, but right. we we don't see Clint Eastwood very much. He's he's always <laughs> off busy making movies. But I, yeah. I I think he I think he does does collect some things, but um, but I, I I haven't he's never been in our gallery um, that, that I can remember. But in Los Angeles, the thing about Los Angeles Los Angeles it's not just the the big movie stars who make you know whatever ten twenty million dollars a picture who collect, but but it's it's, it's it's a very broad industry. You have yes. right directors, producers, right. Mm-hmm. camera people. I mean, the average movie I forget what it costs, but but it could be forty, fifty million dollars, and, and and that all, most of it goes to salaries. So it's it's a fantastic industry, mm-hmm. and but and there's a lot of people in Los Angeles who think back to early the early days of Los Angeles. So they not collect paintings of Southern California, primarily.
0: Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your surfboard exhibit?
2: Well, we, the, the, uh, Bill Cargus, the gallery owner, mm-hmm. um, was an avid surfer for, for years. and wow. And, and he, he collects a number of things, including uh, vintage surfboards. <laughs> and, and there is a wonderful man named, named Reynold Yater, Y-A-T-E-R, from Santa Barbara, who's, who's considered, if not the best, um, one of the two or three best surfboard surfboards. Uh, makers in the country so we 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 don't have the exhibit up anymore although we always display one or two surfboards but <laughs> but his um his history goes back to the 1960s in california so he's a real icon of of mm. surfing and it's just a personal interest of uh, of the owner but but we we have done well with the surfboards and had a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of interest in them
0: speaking mm. of uh of interesting um, or special interests on behalf of the owner, um, I kind of noticed something really interesting about this Formula One auto racing. Can you share a little bit about that?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, well that's—I would say—that's uh, uh, Bill. Bill's uh, uh, biggest passion is cars. He's very knowledgeable about cars and hmm. has, has been involved with automobiles since, since a very young age. And. Um, he owned a, de- a dealership in Southern California for many years and has always loved auto racing. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, on our website you'll see the cars he owns. I saw uh, all the photos. Exactly. Yeah. And, and on another note, our director in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Whitney Gans, uh, was a professional race car driver. Uh, really? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Be- before he uh, before he joined the, the gallery, he was a very, very good race car driver. In fact, he set a speed record at, I don't want to say the wrong race of course, but I, th- I think it was at um, Sebring uh, one year.
1: Boy, you you guys all have a lot of range.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, as as I said earlier, race. people in the art business tend to be uh, unique people with a, with a broad range of interests. That's right. That's Surfing, right.
0: Surfing, racing. <laughs>
2: yeah. Also, um, wine too. We're very interested in, in, in wine. In well. wine <laughs> and music. Yeah, you're, you you're in the right location
1: <laughs> for wine. That's for sure. Um, how the now since you've been in business pre-internet, what kind of changes happened to what you do since the internet has come along?
2: That you know that's a, that's a great question. Um, now to go back a little, our, our first high-tech device was an answering machine. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, and and then and then we got a fax machine. Uh-huh. I know. I still don't know how those things work. <laughs> <laughs> so. So then, one day, this, the computer shows up, right? And the problem, at first, was adjusting was very difficult because, um, and we were a little little behind the curve, not a lot, but the, the main difficulty was, the, 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 you know, the information moves too slowly. So if someone would email us a group of photos, for example, it would, it would if it didn't shut down the whole computer, right? It would be, <laughs> we'd have to wait ten minutes to download three or four photographs. Yeah, but. But the um, the first gonna notice is that communicating with people over the internet is is different than over the telephone and um, the, the, that, that was a hard adjustment because we were always on the phone all day long talking to people and then suddenly mm-hmm. we're sending short messages back and forth and and you know when when you're sending an email you cannot get the f- same fill for. Mm-hmm for the person as you can yes when you talk to the one person right mm-hmm. when you talk to someone let's say a highly educated professional person and 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 you and, you know some people sound they really you can tell you that this is this is really a, someone who's a real collector right mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and and then on the internet it can it can be anyone there's a certain there's a <laughs> certain anonymity there right
1: mm-hmm. not only that i don't know if you've noticed this but I, I get a lot of emails from people, and, and sometimes from really smart people, and they send horrible emails, <laughs> bad spelling, everything. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly.
2: It's hard to gauge. It's, it's, it's that makes it uh, again the same thing. However, you know, when we were a little, like I say, a little behind the curve. We finally got very active online and then and started promoting, um, or rather, listing all the artists we look for, so that when people do a search, our name comes up on the on the front page that's right and, and, and that was the, the number one thing was finding paintings because what happened was and this is kind of funny but the, the look, if anyone wanted information instead of going to the yellow pages and looking up the name of an artist or, or looking up art galleries and then calling someone or calling an appraiser they would simply do a Google search for a name and let's say they inherited um, a um, you know, an, an Edgar Payne um, what well, what would happen was we'd, we'd get an email from someone, and then oftentimes a phone call from a, from a kid, and it was because it was someone's grandchild who was the only one who could figure out how to use the computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so most of the many of the first conversations I had about paintings for sale from from emails were from you know the teenagers or people in their early twenties, because the the parents and or the grandparents just had no idea how to deal with the <laughs> with, with the computer.
1: Now didn't you? If I remember right, didn't you take some domain names that are artist names and redirect them to your site?
2: I I, I believe so. You know, our our computer expert is Barbara Kneesley, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that was her department. But I I, I can't say exactly because I that, that that's her area of expertise. But but we have to. Um, i might, I. It's it's kind of a mystery how it works, but. But you have to be vigilant and stay on top of things. And yes, um, and and to be to be perfectly honest, um, um, not, we we don't get a ton of paintings from the internet. We, we 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 certainly get some, but but just by having a good retail location and, and, and our and our twenty four years of being in business, we know a lot of people, and we get a lot a, a, a great deal of referral business.
1: I I bet I bet that's that's your strongest part
3: for sure. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, out of curiosity, what was the most popular painting that you guys sold?
2: Well, you, you know, um, there, there's no sing- single painting that would be the most popular one we've sold. But we, you know, I'll, I'll just say that the um, the most um, re- renowned paintings that we've sold have been, you know, by the top names like Guy Rose
3: mm-hmm.
2: or, or Granville Redmond or Armin Hansen. Mm-hmm. And we've we've had some well we we well we've sold over six thousand paintings in the last twenty four years. Wow. wow! So so we've we've had a lot of very special paintings mm-hmm. uh, uh, over the years, and you know some have gone to museums, and and uh, others have gone you know, to, to really amazing collections for, across the country. It's funny when I was in back and
1: running my auctions in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, you bought a Percy Gray that I had an unusual one from me at auction. And I ended up talking to a guy in San Rafael, uh, California, that said he he owns the painting now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he bought sure. it from you. Oh, it's kind of funny how
0: that goes around.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, well, there's a, there's a lot of inter- interconnectivity in this business.
0: <laughs> yes. Which painting was the most special to you that you've come across?
2: Um, that, that you know, that, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I don't know if I can come up with a single painting. But, you know, thinking back over all these years, uh, you know, I, I love the Monterey Peninsula, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful here, Pebble Beach, Carmel, yeah. Carmel Highlands. And uh, one of the greatest painters of the area was was w- William Richel.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And R- Richel was originally from Germany and came over uh, about 1915 uh, to Carmel. And he painted quite a few fantastic paintings of this area. But there was one in particular. It was called uh, The Fallen Comrade. Hmm. And it was, but there was uh, two very large cypress trees in Pebble Beach, Mm -hmm. by the sand dunes, and one had fallen over, which is why Hmm. it's called the fallen comrade. But it's a large painting, fifty by sixty inches. Wow, that is large. Yeah, but it it just totally captured what it feels like to be here, Mm -hmm. and um, and there was a there's a certain uh, sadness to the painting. These (laughs) two trees have been together for what two hundred fifty years, and one has now fallen down, but. It mm-hmm. was so well done. It was a, just a remarkable painting.
3: Wow.
1: Now, do you have a lot of backstock in both of your galleries?
2: Uh, no, no, our, no, we, no, we sure don't. We, um, we we have everything out that, that we have. I mean, there may be a handful of paintings that we don't have a, a, a wall space for. Mm-hmm. But I would I, I would say we, we, we don't. Some galleries will do that. They will have hundreds of paintings tucked away, but we, we we prefer just to have everything out and available.
1: Now, do you ever deal with any living artists? Have you ever done
2: that? Uh, we we do. We, we we deal. We we have. Um, we're the exclusive representative for uh, Dennis Doheny.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Dennis is from uh, Santa Barbara. And To tell you a little story, that um, our director Whitney Gans is, is a childhood friend of his. In fact, they they went to went to a kindergarten <laughs> together in oh. Los Angeles. hmm And um, Dennis is is a fantastic artist and what and one day about 10 or 12 years ago he came into the gallery in, in uh, when we were in Santa Monica and showed Whitney a few of his paintings so we decided to start selling them and he as it turns out he's, he's just a, a, an excellent painter and, and er, it seems that every show he enters he seems to win.
3: Wow. <laughs> he
2: entered the air Painters of a uh, uh, show in Carmel uh, one year and he, he got first prize. He entered the uh, Gene Autry Museum show and won first prize there. Um, first prize at the Pasadena Art Museum for one a different show. And then his biggest honor was um, the, the um, American Painters of the West show, and which is the most prestigious show of the year for, for the Western states. And he won first prize there as well. Chief, But he he is very fond of, um, I, mean, I should let him He'll, he'll talk maybe in, in another inter- interview, but but he is very fond of William Wendt and Granville Redmond,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and his style is somewhat similar.
1: I always think of Granville Redmond as the poppies in the field.
2: I, exactly, and yeah. and, and th- those would be you know that brings up a good topic. If, if, if not that you asked it, but I'll ask it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what what, are the, what would be the most popular paintings or the most highly sought after paintings? Mm-hmm. Oh. And and um, the, at the top of the list would be a, a Grenville Redmond poppy painting mm-hmm. because they, they, it just shows California at its best, springtime, beautiful colors, right. beautiful wildflowers, beautiful uh, light and atmosphere.
1: How do you see the, the future of collecting evolving? Do you have any idea what what the future is going to be?
2: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. Um, well, I, I don't see it changing much from where we are. If you look back... Um, I, actually, I give, give you a good analogy. We would, um, with every every painting, right? We would, for the most part, you know, call up a client, you know, and then we would tell them about the painting. Then we would type a letter on our IBM Selectric, right? And, <laughs> I, I had one of those. Right, and then <laughs> get get the Polaroid out and take a picture, and yeah, and then and then we'd write, usually like write a notation on the bottom of the picture, and then put it in the envelope and put the stamp on, and walk down to the post office, and, yeah, and so on, and. So it really limited the number of people that we could be in touch with it was there was it was it was much more work and then we would regularly go maybe you know drive well we, we still do that that doesn't change we still will drive you know you know great distances to visit with our customers and um you know we believe customer service is, is, is the most important thing sure and we, we respect that our clients are very busy mm-hmm. so so we, we're always happy to, to take paintings to our clients and visit with them now the, 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 the main change is just that with the Internet, we can contact um, so many people all at once, so it mm-hmm. allows many more people to collect and, and, and to have uh, informa- information about all of these artists and, and also about all of our paintings. Uh, so I would say in terms of the, the, the future of collecting, everything has been uh, made much more efficient you know, by, by the Internet and, and by, by our websites. Know, mm-hmm. all, almost all galleries have have all their inventory on the websites, mm-hmm. and, and the clients will call or email and need all sorts of detailed information. And at the push of a button, we can send that to them. Uh, but in terms of and uh, anything beyond that, I, I I mean I don't see anything changing because you know people collect because they it, it's in their heart. You know they they, they mm-hmm. love beauty, they love paintings, they, and they they may love um, not just a particular style but a, a specific. Uh, subject matter, and 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 so people will always collect things that 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 move them and that en- enhance uh, that enhances the beauty of, of their of their homes.
1: Do you sell a good portion of your things to people that actually never see them? They just see an image online.
2: A uh, small percentage, maybe ten percent. I see. Uh-huh. It, 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 that that brings up another question that that the, that you didn't ask. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> ask yourself. But no, but the uh, there's different t- types of customers. I mean, there are some clients who are very decisive, and 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 maybe extremely busy, and they'll see a photograph and and and, and the quality of the images are so good now online.
3: Uh huh.
2: Yeah, there's being we can we can do such a good job now with, with our new dig- digital cameras and so on that there's such good representations many people will will make a decision from the photograph but it's probably 10% maybe 15% but uh, the, the thing is uh, other clients are different and they will really have to study and analyze uh, a painting in much greater detail and also maybe see it in person and live with it for a few days and, and either option is perfectly fine with us we, we, we work with people so that you know whatever whatever their comfort um, uh, level is in terms of uh, making a decision and you know we realize that for some people this may be the only painting they buy Mm -hmm. right and so that they whether and it may be five thousand or maybe fifty thousand but we respect that they um, need to make a a decision that they're comfortable with
1: right Mm -hmm. now are all your paintings conserved before you put them?
2: Up for sale, uh, if necessary. Yes, we. In fact, that was one of the that was one of our strong points back in the in the eighties. Uh, Mr. Cargus would visit galleries and see paintings that were in in uh, old, unattractive frames. I mean, not not mm-hmm. orig- the original frames are nice, but like paintings that pe- frames that people put on from Aaron Brothers, right back in the sixties, or <laughs> yeah. hmm. you know, with the velvet liners. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Love those. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, don't forget, back then, most people smoked right oh. so the uh, nicotine the, oh, exactly yeah. so so we said well, wait a minute let's let's do something <laughs> so we found a, a number of terrific restorers mm-hmm. and so we, we we make sure everything uh that every painting is uh is restored and cleaned and varnished now now we, we shy away from paintings with condition problems mm-hmm. um but but the majority of paintings need to be cleaned and, and varnished and reframed, and we, we do that for for every painting.
1: A lot of, uh, one thing that uh, maybe some listeners don't understand, but a painting does always need to have good varnish on it. Otherwise, it will deteriorate.
2: Co- correct. Yeah, Yeah, uh, because in, in part, what, what a lot of people don't, don't think of it, but that it's the practical side of painting is, is painted with paint, and paint uh, can dry out if you have something near a heater vent or or if you're in, in extreme environments, like in, in the desert, Arizona or Palm Springs, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't have a protective layer of varnish, uh, the paint is exposed to the elements. Right.
1: And then there's crack lure, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, things that often need some very tricky conservation.
2: It, exactly. And it, it, it can be very tricky. And, of course, everything depends on the val- value of the painting. For a very valuable painting, we'll go to all, all ends to make sure it's, it's restored to. Its best condition, but one one other factor is that the um, particular uh, paints, the, the particular paints that an artist would use, sometimes just naturally uh, pull apart. Like there are certain dark colors that William Keith used or or Sparks mm-hmm. Sparks in their in their nocturnal paintings, mm-hmm. um, or their dark um, Barbizon style paintings, and and those paints just over time naturally ha- have a lot of cracky lure.
1: I, I know you said you have to get down to the gallery, and we have to watch the time for you. This has been very informative and real pleasurable, Patrick.
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure, uh, Salima and, and Martin, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Yes, and
1: let's uh, let's throw out your website if you would please.
2: Okay, now our website is uh, uh, car, simply cargusfineart.k K-A-R-G-E-S, fineart. dot com, and and on our website you'll find many interesting. Uh, uh, things, but it, pr- primarily if you go to inventory, you can see all of our current inventory and if you go to sold paintings we, we have hundreds and hundreds of paintings we've had over the years which are also also uh, very informative to look at.
1: Great.
0: Thanks Patrick, it was great speaking to you.
2: Likewise, it's been a pleasure have a great day. Alright,
1: so Thank this you. is Martin Willis with Lima Dietler and Patrick Kraft and we're signing off. Bye.